Welcome, valued listeners, to the Lose All Your Money podcast. I am one of your hosts, Silent Rob, coming at you live Friday, January the 12th with some NFL playoff action. And we're with our resident expert at Losing All Your Money, Jay Swa. Jay, anything inspiring you for the new year? Any new year stuff you want to share with listeners? Nothing really different, honestly. Just keeping on, keeping on, really. Yeah. New year, same you. Yes. Yes, exactly. We were talking about that before we taping. Yeah. I obviously don't have a child I'm responsible for. So definitely same me, same underwhelming responsibilities, just how I like her. Yeah. Good. That's pretty much it. About you, any new visions in 2024? Yeah. My new vision I want to share with listeners who are dedicated to losing all their money is to only buy Bitcoin when it gets approved in an ETF. Just wait the whole time until, you know what, the SEC says this is good and I want an, in an ETF form and then buy it. That's funny and a good, good, funny, classic way to lose all your money. Just kidding. I have no idea if that will end up losing all your money, but it did trade down on the first couple of days of ETF trading, which happened yesterday morning. So I don't know, probably do stuff you know before the news. Don't trade the actual news. It's kind of weird. Yeah. And as we've talked about, and I remember you telling me this at nauseum, you know, pretty standard stuff or that's to be stuff that translates to sports betting, right? It's like uh, once it's public knowledge, it's already been built into the line type of deal. So if you're not on those early phone calls of that, you are every second afterwards, you are paying for that price that's already baked in. A brilliant tweet that was shared, I don't know, by you or someone else in our group chat about the if you if you if you're in a plane crash and you take some puts on Boeing and you're in a Boeing airplane that crashes, is that insider trading? And I think you pretty confidently said that that is not insider trading. That is the perks of being in a plane crash. <laughs> that's, that's upside, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, yeah, the other sickos in us in that group chat were like just praying that that happened to us. So just, just really, you know, just nice to know where not only are my heads at, but also people who I interact with frequently are heads yeah, at. Yeah, collectively in a really good spot. <laughs> yeah, but it was, it was a nice thought experiment. And really, I mean, whoever came up with that, just love, uh, yeah, would love like to buy that person a beer and, and talk Modern to fucking Einstein, dude. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but let's go ahead and, and let's lose some people some money. Quick recap. Most of this show is going to be NFL betting, but I do want to talk about bowl season. College bowl season just wrapped up. Obviously, Michigan is one of the championship, kind of an underwhelming championship. The two semifinals are pretty great, but Michigan kind of won. It was kind of fitting. They were kind of the storybook season, if you will, finally climbing over that barrier, that edge and, and taking one home for the Big Ten, taking one home for Michigan as Harbaugh most likely moves on to the NFL. But Bowl season. Bowl season really reminds me a lot of NFL preseason, which does move on a lot of news. Who's playing, who's not. The only caveat I would say is, and you saw this a lot in bowl season, was, okay, they would announce a lot of people were out. The line would move drastically. And more times than normal, the line movement, and every bowl season is weird, but I think it's just going to get weirder and weirder with NIL because – you really could see in the first quarter, for not all games, but for decent amount of games, I want to say Maryland, Auburn stuck out, Oregon, Liberty, Florida State, Georgia. What team actually fucking cared and not? Like within the first 
half of the first quarter. So like seven minutes in. And then obviously you're not getting as good of a line as you did pregame, but the line is really not as important just because you're power rating this based on the players. And then you're trying to remove certain players that aren't there and blah, blah, blah. But it really came down to motivation for a lot of these games. So just one stat that I saw that 14 of the 17 underdogs that covered in games, this was from, I believe, up into the calendar year. So December 31st, one outright. So 14 of the 17 underdogs, one outright, including six of six dogs of six or more points. So just file that away for next year is if you like the underdog in a bowl game, you probably just want to take the money line and not just take the plus points. But I think big thing is just kind of watch the first quarter or so. And not every game is going to be super revealing. But usually after the second or third drive, you can really pick up who's caring and who's not. Just from kind of like those not so subtle, but also not so you know hard to see. You know How hard are they actually tackling? Are they celebrating their tackling? Do you see multiple players kind of you know showing up to back up and give a lot of effort? Things Body like language, vibes, effort. Yes, yes. Much better said. Exactly. Just those little cues. And like I said, it's not a foolproof plan, but I think with NIL, what you're going to see is – and you already saw this. So a school like James Madison was a small school with a lot of recruits who are not – Big recruits, but they had a great year. Their coach left, I believe, to Oregon State or maybe Michigan State or something of that nature. I think I got that confused. I think the Oregon State coach went to Michigan State and maybe the JMU coach went to Oregon State. But anything, he left JMU and a bunch of the JMU players got poached because NIL, now they can get paid, right? And like you're 19, 20 years old and, hey, you might love uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia and playing for JMU, but here's this bigger school offering you like $50,000, $20,000 to play ACC, Big Ten or whatever football. You're obviously going to take that, right? So, you know, a lot of them didn't even show up and they were also playing Air Force. So Air Force doesn't have that. They don't have nearly the amount of people who transfer Air Force, obviously, ultimate tryhards, those military academies, stuff like that. And, and obviously, that's just one example. But Florida State, they were pissed about not getting to the championship game. I feel like they got on the wrong side of that. They went undefeated in the ACC. A bunch of players opted out for to get ready for the draft. Everyone else is just like pissed because they're not, you know, they're in this quote unquote meaningless bowl game. Whereas Georgia was super motivated and they ended up winning sixty three to three, I think it was, or sixty three to seven, or something like that. So bowl season is its own entity, very similar to NFL preseason, where it's you're trading on news, but there's also a little nuance to it and whatnot. But I do think there's money to be made there, and just something I wanted to pass along. So yeah, any thoughts before we dive into our Lord and Savior? Roger Goodell's playoffs. Take me where I want to go, dude. Yes. So we're going to go ahead and go through the six games this weekend for wildcard weekend. Obviously in the AFC, you have the Ravens as a one seed. They are on a bye. The 49ers on one seed. They are also on a bye. We are going to talk, mix in a little Super Bowl, big picture aspirations as well. And those two are the most likely teams to get in the playoff, or excuse me, in the Super Bowl for obvious reasons, not only because they get the bye, but they are the best teams in each respective conferences. But I do think you'll see that the conferences are different, AFC being much more competition for the Ravens than what the NFC provides for the Niners. So on Saturday, you're going to have two games. Most likely by the time we get this after edited and posted, the game will probably be already out. I'm going to share, obviously, these 
how on Twitter, just like my notes for this, but I will talk about them just for posterity's sake as well. I also think it'll be funny when we're like in our eighties, Rob, to just like listen back to these and like as we take like our third nap of the afternoon. <laughs> but <laughs> but anyways, we have Texans Browns. The Texans are at home, but they are the underdog. Browns, they are a two and a half point favorite, pretty much where they've been all week. Browns have been really the difference in this game. I, I like both teams, but the difference for this game is really the Browns coaching and really play calling. Uh, I actually like D'Amico Ryans, the coach for the Texans, but he's a rookie coach and he has not put in the coordinators, the people around him to kind of cover up his weaknesses. So he's a defensive minded coach. I'm not even 100% sure who calls the plays in Houston, but whomever calls the plays in Houston, they are very risk averse. I watched the Colts-Texans game, which was like a quasi-playoff game last week, and the first play of the game, C.J. Stroud throws a 70-yard touchdown. It was an epic play. They go up 7-0, and that was right after the Colts actually got the ball first and they stopped them. So if you draw it up, there's nothing better than you kick the ball off, you stop the Colts, no, I believe the Colts got a field goal. Sorry. So Colts got a field goal. And then the first play for your offense, you throw a 70-yard bomb touchdown, go up 7-3, and, and you're still going to get the ball at half. But they were very, very risk-averse for going for it on fourth down. They ran the ball way too much, even though that first play of the game was an epic toss. You think, you know, hey, they'd stay at it. C.J. Stroud, even though he's a rookie, he's a great quarterback. But they like to run the ball way, way too much. And they had some success with it. But, you know, in 2024 NFL football, you have to be throwing the ball, especially when you're playing against teams who are more talented than you, which the Browns clearly are, seeing how the Browns are a road favorite. So yeah, if we're talking two, three, four years out, I think the Texans got a good chance of, of being a good team hanging around if D'Amico Ryans puts those things around him. But I think the difference maker for the Browns is Kevin Stefanski, their coach. And a perfect example of that is this year, they were very run heavy. Deshaun Watson gets hurt. They actually bring in Joe Flacco. And Joe Flacco is arguably playing the best he has played his whole career right now. And their play calling has completely flipped. They are throwing the ball above expectation more than almost any team in the last four or five weeks, I believe. And that just shows you great coaching, right? Hey, we used to do this. We used to have success running the ball, but now we are having more success passing the ball. So we're going to go ahead and flip the script. And like I said, Joe Flacco was, I want to say two months ago, not even on NFL practice squad. And now he is playing the best football of his career and he is a Super Bowl champion. So very odd. I think the Browns have a really wide range of outcomes, but they do have an elite defense and they have a quarterback who's just dad gaffing. And Amari Cooper actually had a historic game a couple weeks back against these Texans, putting up a franchise record receiving yardage against them. So I do like the Browns here. I'm not betting it, just laying the two and a half, as I said, but just because the Browns just, I do think have a, a bigger range of outcomes. Maybe Flacco just kind of comes back down to earth a little bit. And I don't dislike the Texans enough to do this. But maybe if the Browns go down early in the game and they get the ball in the second half and I can get the Browns at plus money or something like that, I might take that. But just not not a huge fan of laying the points on the road. As for a big picture of these two teams, I don't think the Texans have a real chance of making it to the Super Bowl because that would mean not only being the Browns as underdogs, but also most likely having to go to Buffalo next week and then Baltimore the week after that, or excuse me, the other way around. They would most likely go to Baltimore next week and then most likely Buffalo or Kansas City after that. So that that's a lot of tough games to win, especially those two on the road if they were to win this one. I do think the Browns have a chance to 
play spoilers, especially if they play the Ravens. I think next week, they, they are division foes. If Flacco keeps playing out of his mind, and maybe they get fortuitous bounces for some turnovers with the Ravens, which every team in the AFC really has had some turnover issues. And also just turnovers are going to be the biggest predictor. Okay, Everyone wants to know what the real answer is, who's going to win these games. The real answer is, is these margins are pretty thin and it's going to be a whole lot of randomness and a bounce going this way or that way. So, you know, obviously people are here for the locks and who's going to win. Nobody knows who's going to win, especially when we get to these closer games. It's going to be a lot of randomness, tip balls, you know, penalty call here, a penalty call there. So I do see the Browns maybe winning a game after this potentially, but it's hard for me at least to see them beating potentially the Ravens after this next week and then going to Kansas City or Buffalo, which is most likely would be the the avenue. Just kind of like parlaying those three events would be very challenging, but I don't think it's impossible. So yeah, that's where we're at with the old Texans-Browns game for the first game of the week. Any inklings there? I mean, you've got a soft spot for Houston, the city that is. Anything that jumps out to you in that one? No, tight line, like a good bit of weirdness on both sides. Lady Variance will bounce where she bounces. No edge. Yep, yep. And all these odds are, these lines are super tight. And I know we've mentioned that and you know that. But, you know, we're going from analyzing 15, 16 games a week to now we have six. So, you know, professional money is throwing around. We're talking about this market is, is set on millions upon millions of dollars. So, yes, very, very efficient line, especially this late in the week. We are taping on Friday. Game two, NFL. It's always great when the NFL gets a break. You know what I mean? I don't know about you, but if anyone deserves it, it's the National Football League. And they, they get quite the break this weekend with just some some picturesque – almost every game is like a, a marketer's dream. I, sh- I shouldn't say every game. There's three that are just like unbelievably good marketing games. And this one here is the Miami Dolphins traveling to Kansas City where Tyreek Hill, who was a stud obviously with Kansas City, returns to Kansas City. And just two dynamic offenses. The weather is supposed to be an issue here. The wind chill, I believe, is supposed to be somewhere around negative 15, negative 20 degrees. So shout out to all those idiots who are going to this game and they could be at home, you know, watching this and saving those three. I mean, seriously, you could, let's say the ticket is just $200, right? And that's probably, I mean, we're talking about Missouri in January, so there's probably nothing else to do. It's probably $300, $400. You could sit at home in the warm, you know, comforts of a home and put that money, gamble that money. And there's a there's a 45% chance, you know, like a 45, even if you're terrible, even if you're a monkey, right? You just click a button and you have a 45% chance, you know, maybe almost a 50% chance of doubling your money. Or you could spend this money, guarantee yourself potential frostbite, and there's a 50% chance that you go home pissed off as hell because your team lost. Anyways, I digress. Yeah, I did bet the Chiefs in this game at open three. I hit three right away. Right now it's sitting at four and a half. I don't like the four and a half with the Chiefs. Really, this bet is more against the Dolphins than on the Chiefs. The previous four years or so, I've made a decent amount of money betting on the Chiefs. I've given a decent amount back this year with my live bets that would normally hit with the Chiefs. But this year, they are definitely not who they used to be. Mahomes has played below his elite standard. Still a great quarterback. But really, it's the weapons around him, pass-catching core, the penalties for the Chiefs. But they do get a home playoff game, and they do have Patrick Mahomes. And Arrowhead is one of the best home sites, you know, home field advantages. 
So I do like that angle, but this is not a bet on the Chiefs. This is a bet against the Dolphins. The Dolphins have some unbelievable numbers against terrible teams this year, but have some pretty pedestrian numbers against the good to elite teams this year. And that's really what this bet is about. They're also really going through some major offensive line and defensive pass rushing injuries. And I just think this team is kind of just falling off the wheels a little bit here. I was never really big on them throughout the year, but I think now this with coupled with the injuries, I do think, especially with the, the cold weather, obviously both teams have to play in the cold weather, but the Chiefs have played for five straight years, January football games, playoff football games in Kansas City, whereas Miami obviously plays their games in Southern Florida. So, you know, hey, if the Dolphins want to go out there and keep it within three points or, or beat the Chiefs, then hey, good on them. I would not touch the four and a half here, but if you do like the Chiefs, you have to imagine some point in the game, the Chiefs will be minus three or maybe under that. And maybe you look to take that based on what you see. But this is not the old Chiefs where the live bet was almost like preordained and we were waiting for it. And as soon as we get that opportunity, if they look like shit, you might just want to hit the pass button. But like I said, I did hit that three when it came out. But that is more anti-Dolphins than pro-Chiefs. What about you, Rob? Are you does that entice you? Maybe get on a plane and head to Missouri and, and just uh, be outside for four hours? It actually doesn't. It's not something I'm interested in, but I I love your preference for, you know, coziness. And I mean, we're talking consumer preferences like, you know, spend it on an experience that you'd rather forget or gamble that shit. A lot of people would rather gamble. So I, I see where you're coming from. I think it's a bullish just general betting over showing up to the stadium, you know, keep that trend in mind over the next decade. Yeah. And I mean, it's because the weather's terrible. Like if it was like 30 degrees or even if it was snowing, but it's like the wind shows are just like, like, no, it was 30. 30. That's funny. You're right though. Like the difference yeah. in 30 and yeah. zero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. Like it's just like not going to be enjoyable at all, but whatever, obviously, you know, live and let live. So but yeah, you know, if there's a group of buddies going to a game and it wasn't terrible weather, like, yeah, that's different. But like when it's minus 20 windshield or whatever, like, yeah, you know, but yeah, live and let live. Okay. Game three is Steelers at Bills. This one also has terrible weather. There was actually talks about this game being moved from beautiful Buffalo to gorgeous Cleveland because of the weather this weekend, but it looks like it is on for Buffalo. Frigid conditions, high winds, that lake effect lifestyle, baby. The total is down to 34 points now. The spread for the Bills is minus nine. I have a futures ticket that I took for the Bills to win the AFC at about nine and a half to one. They're about three, just under three to one now. So that is where I'm sitting with this game. I am not betting it, especially with the weather, the way it is. That's, I think, a variable that helps the Steelers. The Steelers are not a good team, but they always do this. Mike Tomlin just had his 17th career or excuse me, his 17th in a row non-losing season, which is really amazing in the salary cap free agent era. But they will be without their best player, not just defensive player, but best all-around player, probably one of the best defensive players in the league, TJ Watt. And they have Mason Rudolph as their quarterback. So really, I think the only two things the Steelers have going for them is the bad weather. Really, as just like a variable. doesn't mean it's necessarily going to help them, but I could see where it could hurt the Bills as well. And then it's just turnovers with the Bills. Josh Allen, if he's not turning the ball over, this is the best offense in football, but he turns the ball over a lot. And, you know, it's just one of those things where 
it's the perfect thing about predictions. It's like, if you tell me Josh Allen's not going to turn the ball over, there's a 0% chance that the Steelers win. But obviously there's no way of us knowing that. So that is going to be the determining factor. I can see Steelers probably just trying to play possession, running the ball as much as possible. And the Bills defense is not elite. So maybe they and they are banged up as well. So I can see this game being a three touchdown game for the Bills. I can see this being a three point game. And I can see if enough turnovers occur uh, that the Steelers play, if they play a perfect game, they don't turn the ball over, get a couple bounces. I could see an upset. I think it's very, very unlikely, but it is within the range of outcomes. As far as big picture for these two teams, the Bills definitely have a chance of making the Super Bowl, but they are going to have to win this game, which they are very likely to do. But then next week, they're most likely going to have Kansas City come to town. And then if they are able to beat Kansas City, they are going to have to go to Baltimore, as all of which before most likely playing the Niners in the Super Bowl. So if the Bills do do it this year, they are going to earn it playing against three Super Bowl contending teams. As for the Steelers, there is no chance in hell they will make it to the Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. You can quote me on that. I am happy to be laughed at if that happens. I did not mention the Chiefs and Dolphins Super Bowl aspirations. I think the Dolphins are also have no way of making it to the Super Bowl because they would have to win in Arrowhead under those frigid conditions. Most like or almost guaranteed to then go back to Baltimore where they were shellacked a couple weeks back and then most likely going to Buffalo as well on the road who just defeated them last week as well. So I don't think that is possible. As for the Chiefs, you have Patrick Mahomes. So yes, you do have a chance. But the path for the Chiefs is such. They have to beat the Dolphins who I do think if the stars align, the Dolphins could win a Super Bowl in a vacuum without talking about that schedule I just mentioned. But they have the talent. Then the Chiefs would have to go to Buffalo, who is definitely a team that can win the Super Bowl. And then the Chiefs would have to most likely go to Baltimore, who can definitely win a Super Bowl. And that's just to get to a Super Bowl and most likely face the Niners, who arguably are the best team in football. So on one hand, I think there is a minute outside chance for the Chiefs. On the other hand, I mean, if Mahomes does this, he is the new GOAT. And he finally kind of catches up to a couple of those Super Bowls that he really should have won. He's got two. He really should have at least three by now. He had a couple of things go against him and whatnot, some penalty calls, some injuries. But if he's able to do this with this team and this this pass-catching core, wow, it would be iconic to say the least. Game four, this is another one of those marketer's dreams. You have the Packers at the Cowboys. The Packers are a young team. I think the youngest offense in football And they really should not be in the playoffs. They are in here because the NFC is fucking trash. And they're kind of a year ahead of development. But that might benefit them in a one-off game. I don't think there's any chance they win two of these games on the road. Because if they win this game, that means they get a guaranteed game at San Francisco. So if these – I mean, you're talking about like 20, 30 to 1 odds for them to win those two games. I haven't even looked at that. So that is just – me ballparking that wouldn't surprise me if that was even more closer, like 40 to one. So yeah, no chance really for the Packers to do that. But in a one-off game, if the Cowboys shoot themselves in the foot, I could see that. The market did open eight. It's currently hovering around seven. The Cowboys are all year, their story has been this. At home, they've been a pretty damn dominant team. 
on the road, they have not been so dominant. The Cowboys are guaranteed two home games. So this week hosting the Packers, and then most likely next week, either hosting the Lions or hosting maybe the winner of the Eagles-Buccaneers game. And I hate to say this, absolutely hate to say this, but I think the Cowboys have a really good path to the NFC Championship where they will overwhelmingly likely play the Niners, and I don't like them beating the Niners. Um, But any given Sunday, one game of football, anything can happen. And like I said, there is a small chance that the Niners don't even get there, let's say, if the Rams uh, or the Eagles or Buccaneers beat them, which is unlikely but possible. So if I had to pick teams likeliest to get to a Super Bowl, not to win a Super Bowl, but to get to a Super Bowl, it would be number one would be the Niners based on the path. Number two, it would be the Ravens. And then number three would actually be the Cowboys, as much as that makes me want to throw up. Just the path for the NFC is so much easier. Now, remember I said to get to a Super Bowl, not to win a Super Bowl. I would take the Bills before I would take the Cowboys when we're talking about to win a Super Bowl. But just to get to the dance, if I was given draft, they would be my third pick for that. Cowboys offense, it's really been all systems go. CeeDee Lamb, that passing attack. And I really think that's where they're going to beat the Packers is their passing attack. The Packers defense is no good. The Carolina Panthers put 30 points on them a couple weeks ago. The Panthers are the most inept team in football. But the Packers have been playing with some confidence on offense, and they chucked the damn ball. So, you know, it's one of those things. If the Cowboys come out and crush them early, I think the Packers, they kind of just put their tail between the legs. The Cowboys aren't really known for that in terms of in a playoff game scenario. They've played a lot of blowouts on both sides this year, but it would not shock me if we kind of see just like those Bill Steelers game where it could be really close or it could be a huge blowout for the Cowboys. The one game a couple weeks back was the Lions-Cowboys. The Lions went for that two-point conversion. I don't know if you saw this, Rob, but it was like straight up uh, early human decision-making by Dan Campbell, the coach for the Detroit Lions that we're going to talk about in the next game. But everyone was like, oh, man, Detroit got robbed. The Cowboys got so lucky winning that game. That's not true at all. The Cowboys were actually dominating that game. CeeDee Lamb fumbled in the end zone, which is a seven-point swing there. And the only reason the Lions were able to come back and have that two-point conversion at the end is because the Cowboys had this terrible prevent defense that just let the Lions walk down the field. Shout out to them for doing that, though, because they got a – Touchdown for Amon Ross St. Brown, which helped me be uh, braided in, in my fantasy league championship. So that was cool about that. But as far as like NFL decision-making, it was pretty idiotic. So yeah, I do think Cowboys at home here. I like them. If this gets under seven, I probably will play the Cowboys maybe small here. But right now at seven, I have no play. But I do think it'll be an interesting game. This is also Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach, like I said, bringing in his former team that let him go. So yeah, NFL marketers dream for that one. Anything before we get to the Jared Goff showdown in Detroit with Sean McVay coming into town with Matty Stafford? You have any bets on your little Cowboys path, third best path to the bowl? I don't. I don't. I don't think I'll be a, I would be allowed inside my dad's house if I did any of those things. So I'm not doing yeah. that. Yeah, that's tough. It is tough because the Cowboys do have such an explosive offense. I'd rather bet them live. So, you know, depending on what I see in the game and whatnot. So, yeah, no, I do not have that. I don't have a futures. And a big reason I don't have a futures on that is because I like the Niners so much. And I'll talk about that when we get to kind of the end here because the Niners are on a bye this week. But I absolutely love the Niners to get to the Super Bowl. And I'll explain kind of how I'm going to bet that. Cool. 
Yep. So Sunday night is the Rams traveling to beautiful Detroit. And like I said, marketer's dream here. This is why you get a Detroit Lions game on primetime on Sunday night. It's their first home game in 30 years. You have been to Ford Field. You've seen the magic live. Imagine that now with a playoff game. So not only is it a playoff game, it is Matt Stafford, their god for 10 plus years, returning home. So yeah, it's going to be an epic game. Probably the last game I would bet on the week, but maybe the game I'm most objectively excited to watch. You have the Lions, who I'm kind of anti, to be honest with you. I think Dan Campbell is an awesome motivator, a fun guy to root for, but he is just straight up dumb. And I've seen him, uh, his team resemble, and that's like a quote with coaches, is like teams resemble their coach. And I've seen it multiple times. Now, I've seen it on a positive side in terms of being able to galvanize and motivate his players. And I do respect that. But when you're in the NFL playoffs, certain decision-making can really shoot you in the foot. A couple of weeks back, they were playing the line, uh, the Bears. And the Bears lined up, I think it was on the opposing 40-yard line. So it was on the Lions 40-yard line. And they had a fourth and 13, and they were lining up for it. And they were, I think they were just trying to get him to jump. Maybe they weren't going to jump, but they were lining up, to, the Bears were, to hike the ball, and they got them to jump off sides, and the Bears threw a deep pass as a free play, and they scored a touchdown on that. And, and I just remember saying, like, that is just such a fucking dumb play. And then a couple weeks back, that Dallas game that I just mentioned, we were talking about the Dallas game, they rallied down the field, they're down one, they decided to go for two, which I'm totally cool with from the two-yard line. They draw up a play. It's controversial because apparently the offensive lineman did not report eligible, you know, whatever. So they call a flag and they go for it from the seven-yard line, which is absolutely idiotic. Just absolutely, absolutely idiotic. You should kick the field goal there, play for overtime. But they go for it from the seven. The Cowboys get a flag on that play. So then they he gets his original one again from like the three or the four yard line and goes for it and he just is not successful. So essentially played Russian roulette like a moron. So yeah, I just think he's gonna get in a, one of these scenarios. Now he is very aggressive and goes for it on fourth down, which I am mostly good with, but there is a, like anything else on the spectrum, there is too aggressive. And I could see him being too aggressive or his players resembling another bonehead dumb play as well. On the other side, you have the Rams who have won seven of the last eight games. They're one of the youngest teams in the NFL, just as the Lions are. And I think you just kind of get the, the Rams at like their highest price right now. So that's definitely something, whether we are betting sports or investing, we want no part of. So yeah, these are two teams I do not want to back and I'll probably be looking to fade the next round. So yeah, I'm definitely down for the popcorn, definitely down to see, you know, Ford Field just go crazy. And, you know, Matt Stafford, hopefully get a hero's welcome as he deserves, but it's I want nothing to do with it. Any Ford Field reactions, thoughts, feelings there, Rob? Dude, I like it. I like your role as kind of the pump-up guy. This is the game to watch. This is a good one. Stafford home. There's a lot of good storylines this weekend, but you got me sold on this one as a favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be sick. It really will be sick. It'll just be like good objective football. But I, you know, I'll probably throw a little, you know, fun bet in there just for entertainment. But hopefully, just watching objectively. And then finally, we have Monday Night Football: Philadelphia Eagles and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Roger Goodell is going to give you, it's going to give you some time on Monday to hang out with family. But then eight fifteen Eastern, you have to report back to watch the final playoff game. The Philadelphia Eagles traveling to beautiful Tampa, Florida. 
strip club capital of the world, correct? I believe you told me that, Rob. And the Eagles are three-point favorites. The Eagles are stumbling into the playoffs, really not doing too well. They switched defensive coordinators. I shouldn't say defensive coordinators. They switched who is calling the plays for the defense, which is pretty much the main job of a defensive coordinator, but they did not fire their D coordinator. They just like gave him a different duties. Kind of awkward with that, but it's really hard to imagine a team with Super Bowl aspirations doing that this late in the season. So the defense has really been a mess. Their offense, which was once prolific, is still good, but not nearly as great as it was earlier in the year. So yeah, they are definitely at their lower point of their range of the year, which might signal a buy opportunity, but I really like these home teams that win a bad division because everyone kind of overlooks them. They're kind of playing with house money, but they're also playing at home, which is what Tampa Bay is. Baker Mayfield has been in the NFL a decent amount of time. So it's one of those odd scenarios where the Eagles are under more pressure, even though they're the road team and they've been playing like shit lately. So I will not be taking this game. I might tease up Tampa Bay if I see another teasing opportunity throughout the week that I like, if I see something else. So that would be getting Tampa Bay up to like a nine. If I see a seven point teaser, I might tease it up to 10 if there is an opportunity. But if I had to bet this game, I would bet Tampa. I, I want no part of the Eagles, even though we are kind of getting some value on them. Kind of one of those make it make them prove it to me before putting any money behind it. But yeah, that's it for these games this weekend. Like I said, the Ravens and the Niners are on their buys. Anything before I kind of talk about the Niners and a little bit of the Ravens there, Rob, from any of the games or that Eagles-Tampa game? Yeah, I thought the Eagles were better than three-point favorites over the Bucks. What am I, what am I missing? Yes, yes. I mean, the Eagles, they went to the Super Bowl last year, and they were, I want to say, 8-1 and one this year, and then they've just been absolute relative dog shit since then. A lot of it, they were catching a lot of favorable balances in, in close games for most of the year, and then kind of variants went the other way. They've had some injuries, but really it's been their defense. Their defense has kind of been getting picked apart. Their defense had a lot of attrition last year from free agency retirements, they brought in a good rookie class, but yeah, they just they have fallen on hard times in terms of how good they used to be. So yeah, that is your, your radar did pick that up. But yeah, I don't think this year is it for them. The only saving grace is the NFC is weak. And if I had to pick a third team after I said, you know, the Niners and the Cowboys, I would pick the Eagles before the Lions. That's for sure. So yeah, if I had to pick a third team to win the NFC, it probably would be the Eagles. But that would be them obviously regaining their form, which is definitely in the range of outcomes. But yeah, the NFC just, I really only see the Niners and Cowboys with the possibility of making the Super Bowl. So yeah, that'll transition to the segment here where I'm going to kind of talk about the Niners. So right now the Niners price to win the NFC is like minus 130. So you'd have to lay 130 bucks to win 100 bucks. So that's pretty expensive price. What I would do is just wait for their actual game next week. And instead of buying a futures ticket, you would just pay the money line. But instead of paying the money line before the game, I'd wait for the game to play and do a live bet because there's a decent chance sometimes these teams that have a buy start a little slow because they've had that week off. Also last week, the Niners, not only are they getting a buy this week, but last week they rested a lot of players, including Christian McCaffrey, 
And also a couple of weeks prior to that, they looked like shit against the Ravens. So they're not in top form right now. And then whoever they're obviously going to play next week wins their playoff game this week. So it wouldn't shock me whoever they play, which would most likely be if chalk held out, it would be the Eagles or the Buccaneers that would go up there. If the Rams were to to pull the upset, the Rams would go up there. So it wouldn't shock me for that team to go up maybe give the Niners a drive or two. And then it's like, well, you are already going to pay that heavy price. If The price might get a little bit heavier, but the only way it would get heavier is if the Niners were actually up. And then you know you're getting the best team in, in relatively good form. So it's one of those things where you're already paying such a tax that you almost want to pay the tax, pay a little bit more of a premium to make sure you're getting them at full speed. And then you could get a better price if they're not coming out in that first quarter in top form. And then all I would do there is the next week, barring major injury, I would just roll over that money, not only your initial risk, but that once you won, I would roll that over against most likely the Cowboys at home, just take the money line. It, it, they will be sizable favorites and you should get a result that is around what you'd be paying right you know, pre-game pre that first game. So that's how I would bet that. As for the AFC, the Ravens, deservedly the one seed, Andrews, their elite tight end, just practice, uh, return to practice today. I wouldn't expect him next week, but most likely for the AFC championship game, he will be back and then almost guaranteed for the Super Bowl if they were able to make it that far. Undoubtedly, I would say the Bill, or I mean, the Ravens are the Rightfully so, the most likely team to win the Super Bowl or to make the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl out of the AFC, but they're just going to face stiffer competition. Most likely going to play the Browns or the Texans next week, potentially playing the Dolphins, who are a good team as well, and then probably going to be playing the Bills or maybe the Chiefs for that championship to get to the Super Bowl. So just a little bit more competition than the Niners. I do think objectively the Niners are a slightly better team than the Ravens, but I mean, the Ravens picked apart the Niners a couple of weeks back. So you're really splitting hairs here between those two. The main thing that differs for me for the Niners compared to the Ravens, just their path to the Super Bowl and the competition that the Ravens face compared to the Niners. So yeah, I know we threw a lot at you, Rob. I know all you'll be doing and thinking about all weekend long is the NFL. But uh, yeah, any thoughts there? Good shit, dude. Good overview. There's paths. There's path dependency. We got coaches that you're shit talking. We're making $5 million to do weird shit. We got wide receivers whose houses are burning down and then are having to travel to zero degree weather with negative 20 wind chill. We just got storylines out of the NFL, so I'm moderately more hyped on it than I was before this episode started. So so rats off to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I gotta give my preview or my prediction, right? So if you are in Maryland, which I wanna say five to ten of the people who consistently listen to this are, if you're in like a pool or whatever, and it's probably too late but before you hear this, what you pick, I would pick the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl and then the Niners to win it because if anyone is from Maryland picking the Ravens to go that far, they're going to have them to win the Super Bowl. So a little game theory to like differentiate yourself while still having pretty chalk. But I am going to just go based on gut here and the bet that I made, I'm going to go uh, Niners over Bills. Niners over Bills. Yeah, feeling it. It's just what I'm feeling. Bills, super wide range of outcomes based on turnovers, but I have a rooting interest for them. And then Niners, I think the most complete team biggest ceiling when all, all all things are clicking. I dig it. I will note that and be sure to criticize you if it's not exactly that. 
Sounds good. We will uh, see you all. I think the next one we'll do is March Madness or often referred to as uh, March Sadness too many. See you in the sad times, bros. Peace. (laughs) Peace.